What's up, guys? This is Miles Markowitz. And this is Brad Thomas. Here to give you the best sports insights to beat your book. You only need to ask one question. What's the spread? Top 10 sports moments. It's something that you don't really think about until you really think about it. Today is the day. Brad, how we doing? Dude, Miles. Compiling this list has been... The words escape me, honestly, because... There were times where I like felt like I wanted to cry. Honestly, honest tears putting this list together. And there were times where I just wished that I could relive those moments because there were just pure joy in my heart. Narrowing down the greatest moments. And I'm going to be fair. This is of my lifetime, guys. So you guys are talking about all these things that happened before I was born. F it. I didn't live it. But behind this list, it was so hard to put it in tin where I thought that there were things – I'm just going to go ahead and say it, There are things that happened that I left out that I felt like didn't have that much of an impact but will never happen again. So it's kind of tough making this list, but I'm so excited to hear yours, man. And that was a, a lot of the feedback that I got when I was just asking these general questions of, you know, what are your greatest moments? And it's really cool to kind of get a feeling for it just depends on your lifetime. It's, it's your personal experiences with sports, and there's so many different uh, sports that, you know, when you're a fan that you come across that you just yeah. never know when that moment's going to hit you, yep. um, which is just has been a really cool thing because there were, there were a lot that were during. So this is also the same during my lifetime. Yeah. I think we're talking before the show here. I think our earliest sports moment is 2001. 2001 yeah. I mean, we were, what, 11 years old? So that's kind of when, you know, those moments yep we could actually process them and that's what i think i really really got into sports where i was man by 11 i think i had a jersey oh, yeah. for every nfl football team that was there like was. the golden age yeah uh, i i think that because that's that's kind of when i really started to get into it too um so welcome in thanks for being here what's the spread this is folks our 100th episode 100th celebration centennial we, we wanted to do it when we actually hit 100 episodes, yes. but come on. In the middle of a hot and heavy football season, there's a lot going on. So we said, you know what? We'll do it in the off season. Yep. Uh, so now uh, is is the best time to get this thing rolling. Dude, so stoked, man. Like, honestly, oh God, football, golf, baseball, hockey, soccer. There's so, soccer. There's so many things that happened in our lifetime where this episode could be 18 hours. And we easily. Could, easily. It could have been 30 moments, Dude. and you and I would have been able to come up with that list. But to narrow it down to 10, and not only narrow it down to 10, but having to rank them from 10 to 1. Oh, my God. Put a lot into perspective for me as far as the moments that stood out for me. So let's go ahead and start with your uh, honorable mention. So I here. have an honorable mention here. Guys, if you don't know, I am a huge 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 James Harden fan and he, he's easily my favorite basketball player I put this on my list and took it off because it does not belong in a top 10 honestly it doesn't belong in the top 30 but it will probably never happen in our lifetime ever again the James Harden quadruple double why I said this man is a machine at creating triple doubles um actually in March 2020 James Harden was playing the the, um, the Charlotte Hornets they got destroyed by the way I think they were down 20 in the first quarter James Harden quadruple double 30 points 14 assists 10 rebounds and unfortunately had 10 turnovers it's one of those laughable moments where you're like Holy crap, he had a quadruple double the wrong way. But with 10 turnovers, but but the wrong way. I had to put this on this list because kind of like Clay Thompson's 37 points in a quarter, this will never, ever happen again. As a James Harden fan, I was like, man, he needs one more turnover. Like, he needs to get that turnover. That's one of those records where it's like just the sheer volume uh, that that he had in a given game. I mean, he has the chance to do that. He was the team. Bad, bad, all the bad. 
all the good he was a team. So I had to put that on my mention. It wasn't going to put it in my actual list, but sports lovers, basketball lovers, you had to hear that this will never happen again, and it was phenomenal. All right, man. Let's get into it. Whew. My number 10, greatest sports moments of all time. 2010 World Cup, Landon Donovan's goal versus Algeria to send them to the round of 16. Wow. So much goes into this moment for me. Number one, the moment itself yep. was improbable. If you don't remember, this this goal, they they needed to win the game by one, if I'm remembering this correctly, yep. against Algeria to move on to the round of 16. And it was 0-0 going into extra time. Yep. They made one final push to the goal. Donovan gets a rebound right to him. Gets it into the corner. I mean, and it was one of the most epic celebrations of my lifetime. I Dude. mean, and I remember this, this was in 2010. I mean, I was just starting college. Yep. Yeah, there was a big adjustment period for me. This World Cup, man, and 2014 World Cup also great when we got all the way to play Belgium and yep. Tim Howard had the game of his lifetime watching the USA in the World Cup. Very special moments for me, but this one really hits home. That one is really when we started to make that push of we are legit. Yes, and, but, but right. The, but the problem with that team is we set that standard yeah. that was kind of hard, and we we missed that Landon Donovan, we missed that Tim Howard, we missed that uh, Clint Dempsey. We we don't have that. Like uh, sure, we have uh, Pulisic, we have Christian Pulisic, but those two World Cups for me, especially in my life were those times where I felt that I was so carefree of the world yeah where I was able to fully immerse myself in enjoying sports um we went out to no we watched that world cup at my apartment I UCF freaking yep UCF campus housing we watched it on the big screen we drank a ton of beer played a bunch of uh beer pong uh beer pong and I don't think that I will be able to live a soccer World Cup like those two. And I'm putting them together, sorry, but no, like I, those absolutely. two World Cups because they were so different. But I was so carefree. 2014, we went to the Wall Street block party. But my God, like I miss Landon Donovan. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad that that you brought it up as a point of progression uh, as far as USA soccer because growing up. I mean, I, I, I wasn't into soccer growing up. I didn't grow up in a soccer yeah. family. I, I didn't really get into soccer until way later. And, and, and this was right around that time. But it was also the time when USA, like you said, was really starting to make their mark. And then how disappointing it was for us where we take a step back in 2018. We don't even make the field in the World Cup. The, but that makes these two more special. Now. Yes. It, it, it shows you how, like, we kind of took it for granted. I took it for granted, man. Like, I did because I expected to be in it and be competitive now every World Cup. Yeah. Now, because th- that was the expectation. Absolutely. So, to me, it's like every four years, I get to be into this team and be excited. And because it it's the one thing that brings the entire country together. Yes. You know, behind one team these days. Yes. You know. Back in the day, you know, before going on air, you and I were talking about the miracle on ice. That that was another example, but it's not like that anymore. No, in the Olympics, players don't get to play. In the Nobody Olympics, gets behind um, the country yeah. really. It, but but in the World Cup, every everybody stops in, to watch USA. Soccer is such a global sport; it blows the statistical ratings out of the water. Yeah, for every Olympic sport, and it feels special for us as a country. Like for me, yes. I feel special to have my country represented in such a global event. I, when that's not even our number one sport, not even one. And you know, World Cup comes around. I got the American flag T-shirt, the American flag shorts, American flag socks with the American flag bandana. 
when do we do that for any yeah. other sport? And the goals are when they come in the World Cup, they're just so exciting. Yes. And that's why that one right there stood out to me. The uh, by the way, I, I rewatched that moment again. The announcing for that moment was incredible. I I wish I could remember the it's a famous soccer announcer, but he did such a good job of making it such a monumental moment. I mean, it was it was so cool. It's just he's just like, "Oh, it's destiny." Donovan. Oh my god. I just some of these calls uh for my moments really make the moment Dude, for yes, me and I'll yes. I'll go into that, but um that's my long-winded number 10. It's so. crazy that you said the calls, right? Yeah. So I'm a very visual person. A lot of mine are based off the pictures and the Sports Illustrated covers that happened. Yeah. For this number 10, it, it kind of brings me to tears that I had to rank it so low. My number 10. Guys, I'm a huge golf lover. Tiger Woods is my favorite golfer. Tiger Woods is the reason I work in golf, play golf, love golf. I have more red polos than I care to admit. And every time I go see Tiger Woods, I wear a red polo you do. with the black pants. My number 10 moment, Tiger Woods won the 2019 Masters after battling back from multiple back surgeries, multiple knee injuries. So, let's paint the picture here. Tiger Woods, phenomenal golfer. For you guys who don't know, Tiger Woods is the reason so many minorities are excelling in golf. It's, it's clear as day. When you have this passion for somebody, you have the trolls. You have the friends who, Tiger's done. Tiger's never going to win another major. Yep. My favorite, and probably yours too, my favorite major is the Masters. Growing up, for me, the Masters not only was a symbol of perfection in terms of you win that, you are perfect, but as a minority who was not even allowed, when I was younger, who was not even allowed to play in that tournament, you are besting those who said you're not even allowed there. I was in tears. We were in tears together. Yeah. We were downtown watching Tiger Woods win. I don't think I will ever have that feeling. I called my family. Like, my father watches one golfer, one golfer only. Tiger Woods. If Tiger Woods is not in the field, he does not watch golf. Tiger Woods wins it. I can't remember if I called him or he called me. Sorry, work. I skipped work the next day because we just celebrated. It felt like I won the Masters. I I don't know how to describe it to you guys without saying that I was in happy tears because when you grow up loving someone so much – in every, there's so many naysayers. I mean, I think the odds were like 40 to 1 if Tiger Woods will ever win another major ever again. Um, and he announced, I'm back. Then he won the Zozo. And when he won Zozo, those odds dropped to 10 to 1. And as a betting man, I was like, yeah, duh, Tiger's winning. And he did at the Masters. He teased us at the Open. Teased he did. Us I, rem- I, I remember that. And then God and, it, and it was Molinari. Yeah. And then it was Molinari again yep. that he took the Masters from. Yes. And what I remember most about that, speaking of Molinari, is that the magic of Tiger and the magic of classic Tiger, he was back that day. That Sunday, Molinari was affected by it. Yes, he was. It was the first time since the accident that that intimidation factor of Tiger Woods on a Sunday wearing his red actually was playing a factor in the tournament and Molinari crumbled. I think that... The Tiger effect was even greater there because you think about it, right? You think about the open, international crowd, kind of split. 
I hate to use say this, but the crowd's kind of distracted on their phones, blah, 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 blah. At Augusta? Yeah. American crowd, no phones. They are there, captivated. The tiger is, the tiger effect is crippling now because not only do you have this huge gallery, all this pressure, you have the pressure of Tiger Woods, everyone is locked in, keyed to Tiger's round. Tiger took it another step because he knew if he wins his first major back and it's at Augusta, it will be a moment that is talked about for us. If he wins the PGA Championship, sure, we're gonna be like, great, but great. it's not the Masters. He won the freaking Masters, yeah. and, and and that was always his course. It, yes. it was his tournament. You know, yep. if if there was one tournament that he could come back and win, it had to be at Augusta. I feel like talk about something that I never thought I would see again. Yes, and it was something that I because listen, I I love golf, but major golf is 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 my favorite time of the year. I mean, there's the four tournaments in the span of what, five months. Yep. I mean, that's, that's one of my favorite times of the year. You know, it's similar to Derby day for me with, Kentucky. Yes. you know, like these, these sports that are not main sports, but I love it. I love getting it. I mean, you and I watched the, the majors on Sunday yes, together. Now do. It's just what we it's do. It's our tradition. And, and that day was like, like you said, it was a celebration It was because I couldn't believe what was happening. I, I, and, and I remember every second of that day, maybe afterwards, it's just a little foggy. <laughs> but I remember every second of of watching him in that final round, and I don't know if I'll ever experience something like that again, dude. I don't think, and you'll see what my list. I have another Tiger moment on here, guys. I'm not going to give it away, but this is one of those moments where you, I won't relive that feeling, right? Like that feeling of I felt that I trained Tiger Woods, like I felt he was playing golf for me that moment was mine it was ours it was the world we shared it it together and it was also something about uh connecting with tiger on that day yeah uh you you obviously talked about how special that connection is uh for me it was about watching somebody come back from the brink of nothing and kind of having that inspiration in a time when i really needed it and that's that's what sports is about isn't it i mean it's about immersing ourselves in these stories and these characters that can bring us so much. Tiger, of course, he he had his flaws. He was yes. a flawed character. But don't we all? Them. Don't we all? You respect the journey and in, 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 in where you are. And that day, I felt a connection with Tiger Woods that day. And he gave me something that I needed. What's on that crazy day. you say that connection, right? Pre pre-injury Tiger was narcissistic and and yeah. untouchable. He became human. He was so more human during that final round at Augusta than we could ever imagine. Oh my! He, he God. was humbled. I he mean, was he, humbled. he was human. He was humbled. I think he enjoyed that victory he did. more than any victory he's ever had in his entire life. I think so. And that just brought on. You saw the joy. It was. It wasn't like, yeah, I won. I deserved one. He was like. Holy crap. Yeah, like he just couldn't believe it, and he was enjoying every second of Dude, it. Dude, yes. Oh, my God. Unforgettable day. Yes. And an unforgettable moment. Um, and, and and we even had my my roommate there who's not even a golf fan. Yes. That, that's another example of like bringing everybody together. Yeah. Tiger has that effect. Yep, the Tiger on people effect. Because of just what a great character and what a great story he has. Someone, uh, the guy who did our last intro, you guys might not know him, but Travis uh, did our last intro. He has the, the the best line. Um, me, I'm a golf ambassador at the Golf Channel, so I give. I'm one of the guys who gives the tours of the studios. Tiger Woods, his line. Tiger Woods doesn't move the needle. He is. The he needle. is the needle. 
and this it was shown in this and I, I could talk about Tiger Woods forever. I, I, I feel like I'm tearing up thinking about it, but this was, moment for me was my number 10. It was a great day, man. Yes. Great day. All right, let's uh, move on to number nine. Uh, bear with me here. We're going to go to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh-oh. Um, 2014, my senior year, Cardale Jones, 12-gauge, bringing home the national championship. Urban, bringing it back to Columbus. There was a lot that went into this season for me as a, as a senior at The Ohio State. If you remember, Braxton Miller was our starting quarterback yep. before the season began. Two-time uh, Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. He was the favorite to win the Heisman that year, folks. Yep. He was an electric player going into his senior year, another year under Urban. He was one play away from taking us to the national championship the year before. He gets injured. Yep. He gets injured before the season starts uh, in summer practices. And there were two quarterbacks behind him, little knowns, uh, JT Barrett and Cardiel Jones. So JT Barrett wins the starting job, comes in, has an okay game against Navy. Next game, an unranked, not very talented Virginia Tech team beats us by like 16 points in the shoe. Barrett throws three picks. I cannot tell you, living in Columbus, the despair, the black cloud over the city that was had. After that game, because there was so much uncertainty in the air about where is the Urban Meyer era going? We were scared. And it wasn't so much a doubt in Urban's ability. It was just a doubt in ourselves. <laughs> because, in, and, and I'll get into this a little bit later too, we, we had demons. Ohio State had demons before Urban arrived. And I'm not talking about the tattoos and oh, the, the fallout with Jim Trestle, but that's a part of it. Yes, That was a part of our demons. The SEC was also a part of our demons. Yep. Jim Trestle uh, coached maybe one of the greatest Ohio State teams of all time uh, when he had Troy Smith um, in 2006. Number one versus number two, Ohio State versus Michigan. We, we, we go undefeated. Urban Meyer's Florida team comes in and kicks our ass. Yep. I mean, just wipes the floor yep. with, with the Big Ten's best. And that was the beginning of SEC dominance. The next year, we sneak into the national title game and LSU gives us a ride. We had demons. And then, obviously, everything happens with Jim Trestle, the fallout, the tattoos. We bring Urban in. Fast forward to that season. JT Barrett ends up putting together one of the greatest freshman seasons in Ohio State history. Yep. I mean, this guy was a touchdown responsible for machine. <laughs> Running, throwing, no matter what it was. Then in the Michigan game, where the Michigan program was down, this was before Jim Harbaugh, so we already had the game in hand. It was over. But JT Barrett goes down with an injury. Yep. He's gone for the season. Now we're going into the Big Ten Championship game. Who's Cardell Jones? Cardell Jones was the kid that tweeted, I'm not here to play school. I'm here to play football. That's yep. what he was known for. Yep. He was known as that guy who made that tweet. All right. So I ended up going to the Big Ten Championship game. We win the game 59 to nothing. 59 to zero. And after that point, we start to realize can we get into the playoff? That's another part of the story. Remember, this was the first year of the playoff. Yep. All right. Alabama was number one. Uh, I believe Oregon was number two. Florida State, number three. There was a battle for the four spot. Ohio State ended up beating out TCU and Baylor for that four spot. There was a lot of controversy, but our performance in the Big Ten Championship game behind Cardiel Jones and Ezekiel Elliott emerging uh, with with a game where I I think he almost had 200 yards in that game, but he, he, or maybe he eclipsed it. I don't know, but. Cardell Jones was just throwing bombs. I, you know, me personally in college football, I had never seen anything like Cardell Jones. This guy not only was a big man, 6'6", throwing bombs down the football field, but he ran like a fullback. Yes. 
he was so difficult to defend. So we go into the game against Alabama, number one versus number four, oh, carrying in all of our demons. I won't spend too much time on it for your <laughs> sake. But here's, here's the thing, right? Yep. As a Bama fan, or even, or even a Clemson fan now, they have multiple national championships, yes. you know, in the past 10 years. Yep. We have one. Yeah. You know, this, this was our one moment. And, and this was our moment to, I, you know, I called the Alabama game when I was thinking back on it. It was an exorcism of our demons that we were trying to shake off for so long. Yeah. I mean, it was a culmination of 10 years. And that game, do yourselves a favor, folks. Go back and watch the, uh, I, I believe the year, the, it was the 2014 season, but it was the 2015 um, Sugar Bowl. It was January 1st. Yep. Watch that game. I mean, Bama had Derrick Henry, oh Amari Cooper. Uh, Ohio State had Michael Thomas. Yep. Ezekiel Elliott. The coaching. Alabama staff. Um, <laughs> uh, Nick Saban. Uh, offensive coordinator was Lane Kiffin. Kirby Smart was the D coordinator. You had Urban Meyer on the other sideline with Tom Herman as his offensive coordinator. Yep. You go back and watch that game, you're going to hear names. And you're going to have a fun time watching it. It was... It was an incredible back and forth match, but at the end of the day, Ohio State pulls it out. Ezekiel Elliott runs 85 yards to the house in the fourth quarter. Bama still almost comes back yeah. and, and, and uh, wins the game, but us winning that game—it's a really special moment for Buckeye fans. I, you know, I have it here as my number nine, but I have that just the whole run of Cardale Jones, his his emergence as our star quarterback in those three games, him and Ezekiel Elliott. Um, and how dominant our defense was because once we got to Oregon, yep. we knew we had it. Yep. I, I mean, I, I, I went to that game as well. I went to all three of them. I didn't really have any doubts, yep. Brad. Like I, I felt like we had already won it and we proved it. We, we beat them by 22 points yep. um, and hoisted the trophy. And, and it was the first college football playoff. It, it was our only one in the last 10 years. We've had so much trouble since. And now what's ironic is if you go back and listen to my podcast about the Ohio State Clemson game, I feel like we're right back to where we were, where we're trying to exercise our demons. <laughs> and now they're playoff demons. Yes. Um, you know, with all of our lackluster performances, I, I, I guess, uh, you know, moving forward. But that year, especially it being my senior year, will always mean something to me um, and all of Buckeye Nation. So that is what I have here in my top 10 at number nine. Let's hear yours. My number nine. Guys... My number nine is a, a collection of 10 years. In 2006, the one and only Black Mamba, Kobe Bryant, scored 81 points. Oh, man. The second highest point total in the game behind Wilt the Stilt Chamberlain. For me, that moment was cool. Um, I still remember waking up that morning and thinking it was a typo yes. on the sports center screen. Yes. Versus the Toronto Raptors. That moment was cool for me. It was really cool. You know, it was I, I, a big basketball guy, uh, big Kobe guy. It, it was cool for me, but the 10 years, 10 years later, he plays his final game at Staples center. He shot 50 times in this game, but he wanted to go out with Mamba mentality. He scored 60 points in the Staples Center for his final game of his career. This moment was really near and dear to my heart because one thing about Tiger, uh, oh my God, Tiger Woods, you can put these two, t- two guys together, Kobe Bryant and Tiger Legends, Woods, because yeah. they are both that attacking personality. He wanted to go for 100. He said his goal was to go for 100. He wanted to tie Wilt Chamberlain. 60 points is no slump effort. I don't care if he took 50 shots. Um, but he really attacked that game, and in those 50 
attempts, about 60 to 70% of those shots were quality looks. His teammates did not care that they were going to lose the game. This was Kobe's moment, and I wish it was a playoff game. I wish that it was something that we could celebrate forever because 90% of basketball fans forget that he scored 60 points in his last game because he did so much for the game of basketball. But for me as a Kobe fan, it really kind of was like, man, we are never, ever going to get to see this performance again. And remind you guys, he's coming. he came off an Achilles injury. He was with a terrible Lakers team. But he, they didn't even make the playoffs. No, yeah, he iced his his legacy. Not even he needed to ice it. That was the cherry. He's like, guys, I'm going to go out and give you guys a show. He went on the microphone and was like, Mamba out. It's just the, the, the class that he had, the, the bravado, the impact. No other players like him. You say LeBron is, but LeBron's a different offensive skill set. He's a bully. Um, LeBron is not the beautiful, sweet poetry yeah, in motion. I like would say Kobe a Bryant. much different type of player. So yeah. when you have a guy like that, and um, I'm just going to go ahead and, 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 and add another moment to this. Um, when Shaq was doing uh, his, his speech about Kobe Bryant, this just really shows you People say Kobe Bryant's selfish. He was selfish when he played basketball. But yeah, yeah, made enough to hell. I'm the best player in the world. I want to be selfish. Shaq's telling Kobe, hey, man, we could probably win the game if you pass me the ball more. And uh, Shaq goes on and says, tells Kobe, there's no I in team. And Kobe replies and goes, there's a me in that motherfucker. That was Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant did not, he's not saying he was a bad teammate, did not care about his teammates in that game. Sure, great guy. He wanted to put the cherry on his legacy, and he scored the 60 points. I have that at number nine. A lot of emotion went into me making this decision because I had it at five, and that was just me over-emotionalizing this because of the loss of Kobe Bryant. But for me, those that and it just happened to be 10 years apart. It just happened to be 10 years apart for me made it even more sweet. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, I love that you dedicated, you know, your number nine moment to Kobe Bryant because I think that's a lot of what makes this list so special is that, yeah, it was that one moment that night in the yes. Staples Center. And I remember it. If you were a sports fan, you were watching um, Kobe's last game. It was it was a special night. Yep. But it was more so all of those memories that Kobe gave us yes. growing up is really what you know what made that night so special because I started to reminisce yeah um, about that and you know obviously with everything that happened with Kobe you know how fitting it you know it is now that we can look back on those memories that he gave us yep. you know as sports fans um, that are so special to us now yeah man it's it is something else to think about all the moments that Kobe instilled in us. Do you think kids are going to ever stop shooting papers in the trash can yelling Kobe? Not like, us. Kids 100 years from now are, are going to be watching film of Kobe and be like, man, that's who they had? Yeah, like, I wish I could watch him. Yes. You know, like, that's that's the kind of stuff that we're getting to experience, yes. you know, with, with you know, these legends of the game. Yep. Um, I was just doing that the other day. Yeah. Shooting around and, you know, because it, it, it's just an honor of his memory now. Yeah. You know, the, just, you know, how we remember him and how we remember those memories 
and you know, really just his journey as a player. You know, you you think about it. I like that you kind of connected the dots between the eighty-one point game and then yeah. the sixty-point game. You know, because it did span so many great years. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and move on to number eight, Brad. Let's talk about some baseball. Uh oh. Let me throw this at you. All right, two thousand and three National League Championship Series, Game Six, otherwise known as the Bartman Game, the Chicago Cubs and the Florida Marlins. The Chicago Cubs. If you remember, at this point, they had not won a World Series in 95 years. Yep. The curse of the Cubs and the Red Sox, we'll get into that later, but these two curses, the Cubs and the Red Sox, they dominated a lot of my childhood memories growing yep. up because they were just the biggest stories in baseball. Yes. You know, so uh, I've, I've been a diehard, you know, baseball fan since I was little. I've been watching Reds games since then, so, you know, having these two storylines be so big... I always pulled a little bit for the Cubs and the Red Sox. I yep. loved watching them in the playoffs because the crowds, oh my gosh. You you have never heard a crowd like Wrigley and Fenway before they broke the curses. If you go back and watch these games before the curses were broken, so the Cubs didn't win it until 2016. Yep. The Sox won it in 2004. But before that, those curses were broken, you go back and listen to games at Wrigley. I mean, you you want to talk about electricity. And I actually went back Brad, because MLB put a ton of games in their vault. Yeah. So I went back and I watched game six. I also watched game seven. Okay. Awesome times. But in game six, you think about the uh, series of events that had to unfold. All right. So here's the Bartman moment. It was the eighth inning. There was one out. The Cubs were up three, nothing. They were up three, two in the series. So the Cubs were four outs away from going to the world series. And they felt like this was their year. This was the year. The curse would finally be broken. Luis Castillo hits a foul ball into foul territory over on the left uh, left field foul pole. Um, Moises Alou runs into the crowd, and Mr. Steve Bartman reaches out, just like any fan would, reaches out and interferes with Moises Alou. There was shock in the crowd. I mean, people started throwing garbage at this man. I don't know why he didn't exit the stadium. But anyway, let's go on to see what happened. The Marlins not only end up winning the game, but they scored eight runs in that eighth inning. Eight runs. There would have been two out, nobody on, but you extend the at-bat to Luis Castillo. The Marlins score eight runs in the inning. They win game six. Then they go on to win game seven and win the World Series. It was one of the biggest... It was really the first um, baseball moment that... Well, I would say second, I really remember, because I really, because I do remember Luis Castillo's walk-off uh, in 2001 against the Yankees. I definitely remember that. That Diamondbacks-Yankees series, probably the first series that I really remember, but this one uh, was next best. And that Marlins team, too. Unbelievable. Oh, man. They had a 20-year-old Miguel Cabrera, who just looked like a baby. He had just been called up that year. Ends up hitting a three-run homer uh, in the first inning of Game 7. Uh, Marlins ended up winning that game. I think it was by five runs. But and also M- Miguel Cabrera that year played everywhere for the Marlins. They he went wherever they asked him to play. Uh, I mentioned Luis Castillo. Just uh, Brad Penny was the World Series hero. They beat the Yankees, which was unheard of at yeah. the time. I mean, the Diamondbacks had done it in one finally to 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 end a streak that would have been four in a row. But that Marlins team had no business of being you know in the World Series, and they end up winning it. But 
it was that Bartman incident that 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 had that chain reaction that went on for so long because it was another 13 years until the Cubs finally broke through uh, and won the World Series. So that's something that uh, I'll never forget as a uh, baseball fan. I love it. I love it. Oh, my God. So my moment. I'm out of breath. My moment is not even... Okay, set the stage. Well, February 3rd, uh, I forget the year, Super Bowl 42. We have the New England Patriots working on a undefeated season. Ooh. In the Super Bowl, we have Bill Belichick versus Tom Coughlin. The Patriots go down early 3-0. Uh, they, 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 t- they take the lead 7-3. Uh, seven to three. This game... Okay, mind you guys, I'm a huge Patriots fan under in the closet because my mate, my 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 boy is uh, Boston through and through. So when my crap bucks lose, they don't make the playoffs. <laughs> and I'm just a big Patriots. Tom Brady fan. Yeah. So I just wanted to cut in there for a second. I mean, I so this is probably for me one of the most amazing called plays. I'm gonna go with the helmet catch. The helmet catch wasn't the game winner. Right. Um, the, it, it was the game saver. Um, David Tyree, 32 yards. Eli Manny, with three defenders around him, makes the catch in the final two minutes of the game to lead them to the game-winning touchdown by Plexico Burris. The names that are happening in yeah, this. right. For me, I had to put this in my top ten. I had to put it so high because... So much had to happen. He had to get past these three defenders. He had to catch the ball in an acrobatic helmet catch. He had to control the ball all the way to the ground. And Eli Manning should, should have been sacked on the play. Yes. I don't know how Eli Manning Everything made the throw. that happened in this was the dagger. And I think that if this catch happened versus a team who might have had two losses, it wouldn't have been as as important. You know, it would have been, oh, sure, yeah, they beat the, the two lost Patriots. This was the team who was going for perfection. The Giants were not supposed to win that game. Weren't the Giants, like, didn't they five, like, close to 500? They were from that? the, it was, they won from the wild card yeah. round. They didn't even win the division. They, they were not supposed to win that no, game. Oh, dude. And, and Tyree is famous just for that just for one that, catch. Yep. God, no one remembers Plexico Burris scoring right. the final 35 Nobody. seconds of the game. Yeah. Not one person remembers it. And if I'm not mistaken, you talk about the call. I'm pretty sure it was Joe Buck on that call. Yeah. And he's, uh, you know, Joe Buck gets a lot of flack uh, on social media these days, but I still contend that he has some of the greatest calls great in sports calls. history. I, I'm not a Joe Buck hater. Yeah, I'm not either. Uh, and and are, that was one of his great calls. There are times when, I'm going to be fair, where I've been like, who the hell's calling this up? Oh. It's Joe Buck. <laughs> and like you could hear if it's it in a Fox, game. It's Joe Buck. Yeah, you could hear it in a game where you're like, well, classic Joe Buck moment. But he's great. He's great at what he does. And uh I saw somewhere it was written as the greatest produced single play in all of sports history. And that's from the 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 announcing that play itself and the production value of the cameras and everything that the highlight, one of the single greatest plays. Great moment. Great NFL moment. Great great Super Bowl moment. Yep. There's plenty of them. Okay, moving right along here. Uh, number seven, I have Vince Young. Runs it Ooh. in on fourth down. Oh, my God. How did I not have that on my list? The 2005 Rose Bowl. 
Let's talk about this game. I mean, it, it comes up all the time. It, it's it, it's burned in the back of my memory as one of my favorite college football games I've ever watched. Very common opinion. There was a lot going on here, guys. I mean, USC, and if you haven't watched the 30 for 30 Trojan War, do yourself a favor oh and watch it. God. Because you look back on our childhood, Brad, yep. and it, it's, it's still, to me, this was before the SEC dominance. Yep. It was USC. Yes. Hollywood. Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, Pete oh Carroll. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, that team and that story, they were college football. Yes. And that year, Vince Young, you know, was the combatant. He was, you know, the challenger in the ring. And just as a quick side note, that year, because people don't remember this, Texas went into the shoe and played Ohio State that year. And we had him beat. Uh, we had a tight end. I won't say his name. Dropped a wide open pass in the end zone, uh, and we lost the game. But that year, Texas was also made just as good of a run, and Vince Young was that good. Yep. And Mac Brown was that legendary of, of a coach. So you had Texas versus USC. And also, people forget, this is before the playoff, obviously. This is a BCS National Championship game. This was before conference championship games. Um, although Texas was in the Big 12, I think they did have a title game, but USC did not. Yep. So, it was a very different college football. So, they had a lot of time to prepare for this game. And, just legendary. Vince Young, fourth and five. And this, I mean, this is the specific moment I'm talking about. Fourth and five. Uh, they're inside. I think they're, they're right around the 10-yard line. There's only 20 seconds left on the clock. Yep. Drops back to pass. He finds a corner. And everyone knows it. Running into the corner of the end zone. If you haven't seen it, just look up Vince Young running it in on YouTube. Do yourself a favor. You know, and then all I remember is the confetti just the rolling confetti down. Was, that was made the, Vin- the, 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 yeah. the picture moment. The, the picture, right? Yeah. And, and those those are the pictures that we remember. Yes. It's so funny because, you know, I remember how dominant that USC team was. Yep. But that was a situation where Texas wasn't supposed to beat USC. Correct. As good as Vince Young was. Yes, correct. And, you know, and it's not like nobody gave him a chance, but they weren't supposed to win that yep. game. Dude. Against Matt Leiner and Reggie Bush? <laughs> Come on. And he found a way to make it happen. And they went down early, too. I mean, and there were a lot of standout moments in that game. Uh, do you remember when Reggie Bush, early in the game, USC was up 7 nothing, and uh, he was just barreling down the field, and he just tried to lateral the ball all of yep. a sudden, and it ended up being a fumble. It changed the whole game. I mean, just so many standout moments. But that one really, for me, cements uh, one of, if not the greatest college football game ever. It, what's crazy, I'm glad you said that. I was, I was going to follow up and say, you could put that game in a top 10 must-watch college football game. Yeah. Easily. Easily. Uh, Vince Young, the highest-rated college football quarterback prospect to ever come out of high school. He had it in him. That moment, for me, I had a Vince Young uh, Texas jersey. Um, that moment, for me, was so phenomenal because I told you I'm a big Sports Illustrated picture guy. When that was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, it was a must-have. Yep. Kind of like when Duke won the NCAA tournament with uh, J.J. Reddick. It was like a must-have picture. Yep. Um, so, guys, like Miles said, do yourself a favor. Rewatch watch the whole game. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> watch the whole game yes. if, if you haven't seen it in a while. The studs on the field, the coaches yep. on the field. Just, oh, my God. All right, your number seven, my friend. My number seven, guys. I'm going back to the Patriots Super Bowl well. And this time, the Patriots stole the game from another team. We are going hmm. with Super Bowl 49. 
You have, let's set the stage. Yeah. You have one of the most dominant running teams in the NFL with one of the most dominant running backs in Marshawn Lynch. And that's the Seattle Seahawks. You have the best, I don't want to say the best statistically, but from my remembrance, the the best yards after contact running back. Yeah, I think that season he led the league in yards after contact. Had to. Because he had that big run, yep. which was like an 80-yard run as well, in Marshawn Lynch. You have the Seahawks on the two-yard line. Everyone knows it's going to be a run play. They drum up a slant pass. A slant pass to the slot receiver. Was it Golden Tate at the time? I, I, I can't lose me who it was. The dumbest call ever. Ever. When you have the most proficient short yardage move the and chains back. it wasn't back. even fourth down. No. You did not have to throw the ball there. My stomach is still like, Brad, I can't watch that play. Oh, wait, wait. Let me tell you what happened. Yeah, let me tell you what no, happened. No, yeah, sorry. Go no, ahead. No, yeah, yeah, they, you're right. They're not sportsmen. They don't even know what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Russell Wilson throws the ball to the slot play that was picked by Malcolm Brown in the end zone to seal the game. Malcolm Brown, to my memory, did not even win MVP. Should have won MVP that game. He was gifted the truck by Tom Brady, who won MVP but did not seal the game. You run the ball 10 out of 10 times there. And how about this? Pete Carroll makes an appearance in my number seven yep. as the coach of USC, and then he makes an appearance in your number uh, seven as Poor Pete. coach of the Seahawks. <laughs> Um, you got to run it in there. You I mean, they were it. at the two yard line. All they needed was a touchdown. Uh, I can't remember if it was first or second down, but I think it was first down. Dude, yeah. And they end up running that slant play. They throw the interception and Tom Brady gets another ring. I mean, I was just so confused because like every good coach in the world knows if you have a chance to win the game and you're throwing the ball, it's you throw it out of the back of the end zone. So you run a, a, a fade or you can, you can run it out or you can run anything else, a corner, a slant in the middle of the field from the two-yard line where all the defense is packed in already because they think you're running the ball, I could have intercepted that. Right, if they would have given Marshawn Lynch the ball four times, then they would have won the Super Bowl. Yes. That's all you had to do. All you had to do. He probably would have gotten in his second try, if not his first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to what I said, I like I, I still can't watch that play. It, it, it makes my stomach hurt. Yeah, like, it's like... And I remember watching it just being in shock. This absolute everyone shock. on the defense because you have to give credit to the, the Seahawks defense. They put them in that game. The game, the Super Bowl, the moment was stolen. It was from them. It was not by the Patriots. No, by the coaching, by the decision that the coach made took away their glory, their phenomenal season all on one terrible call. You can't even blame that on Russell Wilson. I bet Russell Wilson went to the huddle and was like, yeah. what the hell what, are we calling? What are we doing? Okay. Yeah. Same play. Yeah, so, it, it, you know, it's funny that, that we are now brought up two Super Bowl moments involving the Patriots, and we've seen, you know, Tom Brady have his losses, and we've seen him have his wins. But, you know, for, you know, for guys like me and you, a lot of our sports fandom was shaped by the Patriots dynasty. Yes. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that, that's one of the biggest stories you know, going back to storylines, you know, with the Red Sox and the Cubs curses, you know, the Patriots dynasty and Tom Brady, one of the biggest storylines of my sports life. And I'm a big Tom Brady fan. I'm a big Tom Brady guy because of that. I was never a hater. I love watching greatness. The reason that I'm saying this is because I'm going into my number six and it's another 
Patriots Super Bowl moment. The first on my list. This is actually the only NFL moment I have on my list. Okay, let's get it. And you know what the score was at the start of this moment? What? 28-3. to Oh, here we go. Tom Brady's comeback. 2017 in the Super Bowl against the Falcons. It was one of the most incredible accomplishments in the history of the game. Not just the NFL, but of the entire sports world. Yes. Because in the Super Bowl, comebacks don't happen. Nope. Not like, especially not of that magnitude. I wish that I could have remembered exactly what the largest comeback was, but I don't think it was even double digits. I think the largest comeback was like eight or nine points up to that point. Yep. They go down 28 to 3. And I remember sitting my, or thinking to myself, and I'm like, if anybody can do it, it's Brady. And I'm like, if I... If Tom Brady can make this happen, and I get to watch him make the comeback, this is going to be one of my favorite sports moments ever. Now, So now I'm just digging in, and I'm like, can they do it? Please. One touchdown. Another touchdown. Once he started getting momentum in that game, I mean, you think about it, they stopped running. Yep. It was just Tom Brady dropping back, slants, crossing routes, just whatever, uh, you know, screenplay, whatever he had to do. Brings them all the way back, goes to overtime, and they win the game in overtime. Yes. Incredible. Oh, my God. So, like I said, closet Patriots fan, we have the annual, what seems like annual, Patriots Super Bowl party at my <laughs> buddy Ryan's house. His whole family, everyone there, they're down in the dumps. And then I remember uh, one of my boys, Ben Tolo, saying, trying to lift everyone's spirits up. He's a Patriots guy as well. He's like, it's okay, guys. We got this. I'm like, what the hell is this man talking about? It's 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl. I'm pissed too because I bet the Patriots. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? My money is on Patriots money line. No, you don't have this. Are you going to give me a refund when you lose? So I took Patriots second half. Good bet. And um, man, I tell you, I think Patriots second half was only like, uh, minus three and a half. Oh, yeah. Half. It, wasn't, it wasn't that high. The Falcons were dominating that yeah. game, Brad. You, you remember, that, I mean, that was Matt Ryan's best year. They were dominating. The owner of the Falcons came onto the field. Yes. Because he was ready to celebrate, and it wasn't even close to being over. I can't, I can't remember why I didn't take Patriots win game. Like, maybe I wasn't that aggressive of a better at that well, time. But it had just never happened. We, we had never seen anything like it. I was kicking myself in the fucking face. Why, Brad? You only took Patriots <laughs> second half. I did. I did win twice. So, guys, I'm not mad. I won Patriots money line, and I also won Patriots uh, second half. But God dang, what a moment! Yeah, it, yeah, it was great. And, you know, and, and it just kind of reflected why I loved watching Tom Brady. And, yes. it, and it's not even that he's I, a buck now. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Oh my gosh. Um, and, and it's not even that. Um, you know, I love the character Tom Brady. I, I just love watching him play. So it's just taking in all those moments just, just just because we don't know, you know, how much more time we have to watch legends yes. on the field. You just don't know what you got till it's gone. All right, what's your number six? My, my number friend? six moment is another first ever to happen. It is in 2018 when the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Guys, have you ever heard that name? No. No. Neither had I. What the hell is this team? They are the first ever 16 seed 
to beat the number one seed, beat a number one seed in the NCAA college basketball tournament. They defeated, not only did they defeat a number one seed, they defeated probably one of the most complete Virginia teams that they've produced because what makes this moment great? They didn't win on a buzzer beater. They didn't win because they went on a streak. They defeated the top defensive team in the country by 20 points. But what makes it even more special is not only did they accomplish this, no one cares about that game. They care about that moment. Fast forward a year later, Kyle Guy and the Virginia Cavaliers get the ultimate prize. They redeem Redemption. that god-awful moment and win the NCAA tournament. So it's a kind of a compilation of two things to show you how they battle adversity. I use Kyle Guy because he was on the team for both years. How they had a chance to, how he had a chance to erase that numbing defeat. They lost by 20. And this is a team that were holding their opponents to somewhere like 114. I mean, uh, they were holding their point, opponents to um, like s- under 60, 50 points ish. Their defense um, that year was. Per game. Yeah, incredible. I used 114 because that was the average of points um, scored by both teams in their games. Sorry, guys. I'm a totals guy, like, like betting totals. But, um, so to get beat by 20, it just shows you it's just like they weren't ready. They overlooked their opponent. They were, it was a look-ahead spot, um, and they got the redemption there. So I'm going to use that as my number six moment because weren't we together? Great choice. Oh, yeah. We, I think we yeah, absolutely. We, we were watching because I remember that was um, in at, at my place, and we were watching that yeah. night. Wow. And you talk about something that I never thought I would see. Dude. I mean, I, I really did think about that for a second. Am I ever going to see a 16 beat a one? And then when I thought about it, I made the decision. I said, no, it's never going to happen because the talent level between a one and a 16 is too much. UMBC. And, you know, taking down the number one seed. Looking back on it, thinking back on it now is like, of course it had to be a defensive dominated team. It had, had to. to be. Had to be. Because you, when you have a team like that, you rely on your defense so much yeah. to create the offense where if, Another team gets hot, or you make some bad judgments, you get out of the game. You're, right. you're out. You, you have no chance of winning. And then, as you said, just so awesome to see Virginia redeem that moment the next year and and, and win the tournament. I yes. mean, that's that's what makes sports so great. All right, Brad, we're heading into our top five. Uh, so my number five, uh, buckle up, strap in for this one. Oh, here right? we go. So this is my last baseball moment. This is my number one baseball moment here. Um, I have it in my top five. 2004 American League championship series the boston red sox and the new york yankees the boston red sox were down three games to zero this is a good one holy right. shit yes. they were down three games to zero nobody had ever come back from a 3-0 deficit in a series before let alone a team like the red sox where their curse at this time was yep. 86 years old and it was the curse of the bambino as soon as Babe Ruth got traded from the Red Sox to the Yankees, the Red Sox never won another World Series, and I believe the Yankees went on to win 27 at that time, somewhere around there. Yep. Insane. Just insane if you're a Red Sox fan. So many years. You're down 3-0, and guess who you're down 3-0 to? The New York Yankees. Game four. All right? ALCS game four is where it all began. All right? Oh, yeah. They were down by a run in the ninth inning. Dave Roberts, now a Boston legend. Hadn't played baseball in 10 days up to this point. Comes off the bench after um, a walk. Yep. And he comes into the game to do one thing, and that is to steal second base. And a lot of people forget that it was Mariana Rivera 
on the mound, folks. Yes. The greatest closer of all time. There's no debate about it. You can't argue with me about that. Mariana Rivera is the greatest closer of all time. time. Absolutely. On the mound, he tries to pick off Dave Roberts a couple times, but it wasn't going to work. First pitch, he steals second base. And you go back and watch that moment, because I actually went back and... Hell, dude, I almost watched the entire series. I I went back and watched all my favorite moments in this series. It was a Joe Buck series. He has some great calls here. Got his hand just in, and the rest is literally history. He gets hit in. They tie the game. David Ortiz walks a walk-off homer in the 12th inning that night to move on to Game 5. And then in Game 5, Ortiz walks it off again in the 14th inning on a bloop single yes. to center. Oh, my Joe God. Joe Buck's call as the winning run is rounding the bases. He'll run home, and they'll keep right on running to New York. Game 6 and Game 7, we're going to be in New York. Still no chance, right? Yeah. They were down 3-0. Now it's 3-2. Game 6, the bloody sock. Kurt Schilling. Coming off a brutal surgery on his ankle. And and if you go back, here's another 30 for 30 for you. Four days in October. Do yourselves a favor. Watch that one. It tells the entire story of this amazing series. Kurt Schilling was coming off a surgery. And by the sixth inning of the game, he was the starting pitcher, by the way. An incredible starting pitching performance. Blood was seeping through his sock because of his open wound. I, I, I mean, and you go back. If you watch that documentary, you'll see the scar. It is nasty. It is, it was a brutal surgery. Yep. That scar was not healed, folks. He goes out there and pitches one of the greatest games in postseason history to take them into Game 7. And then from there, there was no stopping Boston. Yep. Johnny Damon I, hit a grand slam in Game 7. They win, and they go on to sweep the Cardinals in the World Series 4-0 to break the curse of the Bambino. Break the 86-year-old curse. The greatest baseball moment that I've ever seen. I mean, improbable. And it hasn't been done before, or it hasn't been done since. I don't know. Again, talking about a moment where I don't know if we will ever see that again. Yep. I don't know. Down 3-0 in either a championship series or a World Series. I hope we see it again. But I'm going to tell you something right now. It's never going to mean as much as when it happened for the first time. And go back, do yourselves a favor, watch the documentary, watch the calls that Joe Buck made. Uh, just awesome. And I go back to the electricity of the crowd, you know, Fenway Park before the curse was broken. Not to say that Fenway's still not a good crowd today, but it was just different when you when you haven't won a World Series in 86 years. There were some people, Brad, who went their entire lifetime as a Red Sox fan and Dude, didn't see their team win a championship. That was legit. You know, and, and me as a Reds fan, I'm starting to think that that may never happen for me. But, you know, for the Red Sox and such a storied franchise, uh, it was a big deal. And it was a big story in sports. So, I, you know, I... I remember every second of that week and a half when the Red Sox were were coming back because everybody thought it was over. Just an awesome time to be a baseball fan. Great one. That's all right, man. My number five, number five is great on so many levels for a better for everything that happened. So I'm going to go with the year Leicester City won the Premier League title, um, their first Premier League title. But listen, I'm going to set the stage. Leicester City definitely set set the stage for those non soccer fans out there because this story Leicester is City, incredible. Yeah, this is one of the, my favorite stories. Leicester City um, had never won the Premier League. Uh, they had spent years in the bottom division in the not the bottom uh, in the Championship division, but for for 
for casual soccer fans, how soccer works is there are leagues for every country. The, the top league, then there's like five bottom leagues. You play the entire season. Um, generally, bottom two of that league get relegated, which means they get demoted to the next league. Um, champions move up to the top league. In 2015, um, Leicester City had won the championship league to get promoted to the Premier League, right? Leicester City, in 2015, the 2015 season, this is probably one of the craziest stories, was awful, terrible. They, uh, fun fact, they are, they held the record for the team that has been the bottom of the division all the way at the bottom for so long and not get relegated. They were in last place in Premier League for 140 days. Um, then they went on a run. They won seven of their last nine games to avoid relegation and stay in the league, right? The following year, the season starts off kind of eh. They have big controversy. Um, there was a big, like, sexual assault case going down on four of their really good players. Their coach was involved. Four players get, get, get fired. The coach gets fired. Um, they believe, they bring in Claudio from Chelsea to coach this team, right? They end up starting the season at 5,000 to one. 5,000 to one. By the middle of the season, they were 45 to 1 to win it all. That's insane. And win the Premier League. Guys, go back. There has never, ever been a team two years removed from relegation to win their top flight. Never has that ever happened. But then, as a soccer fan, I had to go do some research. There had only been about six teams, five teams before, in a 12-year span that had won the Premier League. Leicester City becomes in there, right? I went back and I pulled up the roster. Listen to some of the names that are on this roster. If you guys don't know, I'm sorry, but I had to go through. We got Danny Drinkwater, who now plays for Man U. I'm not going to go through all the teams they play for because they switch teams so much. But Danny Drinkwater, great player. I'm going to leave out some of the players who don't play anymore. Um, N'Golo Conte, who is the best defensive midi in the entire world, World Cup winner from France. We have Riyad Mahrez, Algerian beast, who could easily be a starter on any team. I, he is he is not a starter on, on Man City, but listen to these names. These names, and this is a team who's coming off relegation, mind you. Uh, I mean, who's coming off uh, a promotion to, uh, two years ago from, from the Championship League. Wes Morgan. I'm, I'm not even close yet, right? And Jamie Vardy. These names on this team, absolute studs. Do you think that all these guys were on the same team? Holy crap. But that happens. It happens in every major story where you hear the yeah, underdogs. Like, like you think back and you're yeah. like, oh my God, look at the roster. Of or, course. Look at the lineup. Look That's at the why. offense. Yeah. Look at the, yeah. But at the time, you know, 5,000 to one odds. Yeah. You know, that's, that's like if here in America we had this relegation system, you know, like if it was like an NFL team that yeah. just got promoted and then they win the freaking Super Bowl. 
There was a guy who put $100, $150. Oh, no, it was $1,000. He put $1,000. Of course, he's a Leicester City fan. On Leicester City to win the Premier League at 5000 to one. Wow. $5 million payoff. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is just mind-boggling. I'm, ass- I'm assuming he had to be pretty rich already because $1,000 is... No, it, it, it is a lot to just put on to an throw on like that. Yeah, like those like odds. a team who has a one percent chance to win. Right, that's my number. Yeah, I moment. I remember that story and just having all you know all of my friends who were soccer fans just explain to me how improbable the moment was and just yep. you know uh, tr- you know comparing it to seeing just a you know an NFL team or MLB team going in with five thousand to one odds and taking it. You know, for us in America, that would be insane but yeah if you're just a casual soccer fan you know in in this country we don't really grasp you know grasp soccer like other countries do but that was unheard of all right uh going into our top four here number four 2007 fiesta bowl boise state and oklahoma Ooh, many reasons why this lands so high on my top 10 sports moments of all time first of all it was the most fun i ever had Watching a college football game. Yes. Boise State, Oklahoma. Boise State that year, this was before they really built their dynasty. You know, this this was the beginning. This was one of my favorite coaches, Chris Peterson, who was the coach of Washington, who if you listen to the podcast, you know I talk about him a lot. Um, this was a, a situation where you have to remember in college football, upsets didn't really happen. Um in 2007 it just it wasn't a thing this was the the bcs era uh boise state was at the time they were playing for the whack yeah they weren't even in the mountain west the whack doesn't even exist anymore folks it was the western athletic conference and boise state was just the flashy team with the flashy blue uniforms and the blue turf and they went 12 and 0 because they didn't play anybody and here they are coming in to play Bob Stoops in Oklahoma. Adrian Peterson was on this Oklahoma team. Dude. You want to talk about no chance. Boise State had no chance to win this game. And not only did they win it, but it was the way they won it. Fourth quarter, they're down by seven. Time is ticking away. They're facing a fourth and 22. Something crazy like that. And they and Chris Peterson breaks out the old hook and ladder. Yes. Which... Oh, if you don't know what I'm talking God. about, go look it up and see how the play was done. But it's basically a very long, uh, I would say, 15-yard crossing route. And then as soon as the receiver catches it, he flips it to another receiver coming from the other side of the field to then yep. take it up the sideline for the game-tying touchdown. They take him to overtime. All right? Adrian Peterson, I remember this because Adrian Peterson, it was either the first or second play of overtime, runs it in 25 yards yep. for the touchdown. I'm like, oh, okay. Here we go. Here we go. Oklahoma. Okay, finally. They, they, they put it away. AP with the touchdown. Boise State then scores a touchdown to respond. And Chris Peterson, of lore, decides to go for two. And he pulls out the Statue of Liberty. Yes. On a two-point conversion. You want to talk about a play that nobody saw coming. Sure as hell, Oklahoma didn't see it coming. No, dude. And if you don't know what a Statue of Liberty play is, the quarterback drops back and he turns his body to one side of the field to act like he's about to throw to that side of the field. And then he puts the football behind his back and the running back just takes it and goes the other way where there's nobody waiting for him. And it was uh, Ian Johnson was the running back, runs it into the corner of the end zone. Boise State wins. They upset Oklahoma. 
And what happens the next year? I went back into my uh, history archives and I did some digging here because I really wanted to know. Wait a minute. Was the App State upset over Michigan before or after this game? It was the next season. Oh my God. You want to tell me that Boise State beating Oklahoma didn't have anything to do with Appalachian State thinking they could go no, into the big house and did. take down Michigan? Absolutely. Boise State gave hope. Yes. To the, the small schools yes. in college football that they could go into a game and beat the big boys. They mm-hmm. could compete with Oklahoma. They could compete with yep. Michigan. And you want to talk about Michigan that day completely overlooking their opponent. Yep. Appalachian State wasn't even in Division One. Yep. They were in Division Two, And they ran the spread option, running gun offense all over their ass all day long. Yep. They end up beating Michigan in the big house. And that yep. was the very next... It was the same year, Brad. It was 2007. It was that year. Yep. It gave hope to the little guys. It... That Boise State Oklahoma game, it changed the landscape of college football. It did forever. It did absolutely agree. And we're still feeling the ramifications from that game. So for me, it's my number four, and it's my favorite college football moment that doesn't involve Ohio State. Oh, I appreciate that. That's a good one. My number four. I don't have a long story for this one, um, but for me, pictures mean a lot. Um, picturesque moment, um, improbabilities. Um, we have five-time World Series champ, Derek Jeter, in his final at-bat. Great career. At Yankee Stadium, hits a walk-off single. The picture that, if you guys haven't seen it, you have to. I'm not even a huge baseball fan, and this is my number four moment because, holy shit, I have, a, I have quite a few baseball moments in my top five. Um but this is this moment for me being able to watch it was improbable. I believe they were like winning the game easily by a few runs. Um, and then the game went to extras and my God, really? It was destiny that day. It was faded. I had a buddy who was a Yankees fan who was uh, in the crowd for that. Game. Really? Yeah. Holy he was at crap. the stadium and you know, if, especially for Yankees fans that, if you ask a Yankees fan what their number one moment is, it's it, it's either Aaron Boone's yep. walk off homer uh, in the I think it was two thousand and three ALCS, uh, the year they before they lost to the Red Sox, um, or it was this moment. Yep, uh, the Derek Jeter walk off single, God. special moment for a special career in a city where he played his entire career. Yes, he was a Yankee through and through. My God, that that moment I, I had to put it in my top five, and I didn't know where I was going to position it. But you talk about great sports moments to be alive for, to watch. Imagine your buddy who's there live. I couldn't think of any other moment, single moment that deserved one single moment. The rest of my top five does not involve one single moment, one single act. And this is it. This had to be my top five. And growing up, I mean, the the Yankees dominated baseball because um, I started watching baseball 1999, 2000, and that that was right around the time where you know the Yankees had their three peat, and then uh, you know went for the four peat, and they lost to the Diamondbacks. But Derek Jeter was one of my favorite players to watch. Yes, you know he he was he was always just great. Yep, man. All right, man. We are down to our top three. Oh, top man. three moments. Oh. All right, my number three. 2016 NBA Finals Game Seven, Cavs. Warriors, 
I call it the block. The block. LeBron James, you know, say what you want about my fandom, but I love greatness and I love LeBron James. Yes. And it helps that LeBron James is an Ohio guy. Yeah. All right. So sue me. LeBron James is my favorite NBA player. There is on a top five list of players I love to watch, LeBron is on that list forever and always. Yep. And his rivalry uh, against the Warriors was awesome. But especially in this year, they were down 3-1, Brad. Yes, they were. I thought that Warriors team was unbeatable. Yep. Because to me, I'm like, LeBron's never going to beat him. He just can't. He's so great, but he just doesn't have the talent around him. And this was, they had Kyrie too. Yeah. I'm like, he doesn't have the talent around him. This Warriors team is just too good. I thought that Warriors team was going to go down, and they still could, but I thought they were going to go down as the greatest of all time. Yeah. Like, and this was before Durant. Yeah, pre Durant. And they were still, I mean, they were the team. There's like a 72-win team. Yeah. Too. Like, holy crap. Cavs were down 3-1. I'm like, it's over. They end up coming back to tie the series 3-3 yep. in that game seven. I went back and I watched the last three minutes, or it may have been the last four minutes of that game. Yep. And here's why the block was so significant. LeBron James with the block was the call. Yep. Because before that play, the teams couldn't score. No. Nah. I mean, it was literally three minutes where nobody could score. That block, yeah, Kyrie Irving came back and shot a cold-blooded three-pointer. You know that that ended up being you know the game-winning shot in all in all essence. But in a time where they were trading missed baskets, that block is what set up the Kyrie Irving uh, three-pointer. Yeah. And LeBron winning for Cleveland, and again, it helps that I'm an Ohio guy. I know a lot Cleveland. of Cleveland. I have a lot of Cleveland this one in my is family. For you. Yes. Oh my Just god! The Chills. emotion that he was overcome with. Yes. You know everything that he had gone through in his journey yep. and in his life, and you know everything that he wanted to do for Cleveland. He 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 left Cleveland because he wanted to have his own path, and he yep. wanted to. He wanted the rings and he wanted the championships and he deserved to do that. He was yes. that type of player because the Cavs didn't give him a team. Yep. He came back to the Cavs. He put together a pretty damn good team yep. in the process. So that helped. But he came back to win him a title. Yes. And he and he did that. He did. And it was for just me, crazy. Yeah. That will always be my LeBron James moment. I hope he gets a couple more with the Lakers I because I think he should have at least five or six at this point. Yes. Um, unfortunately, the Heat ran into a really good... Um, uh, San Antonio team. Yep. Um, so I I think he should... Oh, and a really good Dallas team. So, oh, like, I, I think back to LeBron James' career, right? And I think back to those two series where yes. they lost... The Heat lost to the Mavericks and they lost to the Spurs. I think they should have won all of them. Yes. It, because well, they had that kind of well, talent. You think about it. So, I'm, I'm glad you said that, right? A lot of people are, are, are saying it's hard to call LeBron James the GOAT because he didn't win enough rings. Right. But you think about the teams that he played on First, we think about the Cavaliers. And then the teams he played against, he played against some of the most stacked teams with future Hall of Famers that almost anybody who has a lot of rings played against. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and think about the teams he did have with the Cavs. Yeah. <clears throat> think about the teams that he, or those Cavs teams that he took to the finals and lost that because w- they stood no chance. Where their best player was uh, Verjao? Yeah. So it, just his greatness, you know, and, and that's a topic for another day. And I can't wait to see this 30 for 30 with Michael Jordan that's about to come out yep. or whatever it is. I think it's like a 10-part series that ESPN is releasing. Yeah. I'm going to watch every second of it. I wasn't there to see Michael play. I only have the highlights and the memories. Okay. But for me, you know, LeBron is the greatest of all time for a lot of reasons. But that moment stands out to me. Cool. Cool, cool. 
We're at number three. Number three. I don't think I've had an Alabama moment. You haven't. Lay it on me. Perfect number three. Guys, um, Alabama fan through and through. Uh, Family's from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. That is the home of the Alabama Crimson Tide. My father loves Alabama. My uncle cuts their hair. My His wife helps prepare meals. Family goes to every game that lives in Tuscaloosa. We have a tradition in our family um, to go to A-Day. And if you guys don't know, A-Day is the annual spring game. I've been there. Miles, I took Miles there. When we heard about this guy, what was his name? Tua Tagagogagi? <laughs> what the heck? Who is this guy? Guys, I started watching film. I'm a big, you tell me a, a, a high school football player's name. If you even mention it to me, I'm watching their film. I'm watching this film. Gamer. He's an intense gamer. Has kind of a weird release where he kind of feels like he's throwing his entire body into it. But God dang, every pass he made has been pinpoint one thing that we think about a lot that i've noticed a lot of watching high school football players a lot of the guys who squeak their way into the top 10 for quarterbacks have phenomenal receivers have receivers who end up being great players um you look at that to his team he had solid receivers but they had no choice but to catch the ball it was in their hands every time getting a little excited Getting a little excited. Uh, we have Jalen Hurts. His high school film, he's one of those guys who's guilty of this. Jalen Hurts was bigger than everybody, stronger than everybody, and had two phenomenal receivers where it masked a lot of his inaccuracies. But when you are that fast, you're on a 4-5. You could squat over 400 pounds. You are huge. You are going to be a great quarterback. Especially in college football. In co- college football, Yeah, because yes. you have that running ability. You, yes. Jalen Hurts... Did everything he needed to do. He checked all the boxes. He was a winner, proven winner. His freshman season SEC player of the year. I don't know if he heard the footsteps, but I heard the footsteps. I heard the chatter of the Alabama faithful. Saban, what are you going to put Tua in? Bitch, Jameis. We want Tua. So my moment number three is a story that will end up being a 30 for 30 um, because it's a span of two years. First year, it is the 2018 National Championship. Alabama is down 13 to 0. We aren't doing anything on Nothing. offense. They're game planning our run Nothing. so bad. Saban is a guy who sticks to his guns. Nick Saban game plan something, he very rarely changes it because he's a chess player. You Your chess strategy doesn't change. You just work it through and it'll find its way. He made one of the toughest decisions because everything that Jalen Hurts does, did for the program, he was a winner. Didn't turn the ball over. But we couldn't score. Tua comes in. Everyone was like, I texted a lot of people, and I go, I remember your text to me. It's Tua time. Tua time? Before, and I'm like, the, before they even came out to warm up after half halftime, I texted everyone, it's Tua time. I didn't know who Tua was. People were like, who the I'm like, hell what is, is Tua? Tua? <laughs> this kid from Hawaii comes in, leads the Alabama Crimson Tide back to victory, 
I was so wasted because I was sad at halftime. And I go, great, here we go. Tua comes in and lights the house. So, of course, at the end of the season, all kinds of controversy. Who's going to get the starting job? Tua wins the starting job. Rightfully so. What's going to happen to Jameis? Jameis. Uh, uh, oh, my God. Fuck, I'm talking Jameis. Trash. Thinking about Winston. Yeah. yeah. Jalen. We, we use him. In the, we use him in the first game. We use him in the second game. Saban, you going to burn his red shirt? Saban, what are you doing? Now we're thinking, if we burn his red shirt, we're not going to burn his red shirt. He's going to transfer. He's going to transfer. Dan said, I came to Alabama to play Alabama football. I'm going to graduate from Alabama. Dan Hurts burns his red shirt. Okay, cool. Sitting on the sidelines, we use him in gadget plays. The 2018 SEC Championship, the next year, Tua gets injured. He injures his ankle. Yep. This is Tua was hurt before that game even started. Way hurt. Yeah. He was, he was banged hurt. up. Yeah. Shouldn't have been playing the game. Nope. Jalen Hurts comes in and does another back-to-back dagger to the Kirby Smart. Alabama wins the game 28-21. to This moment, the single moment itself, is one of my top feel-good stories of all time for any sports. For Jalen Hurts, who through the entire time he was battling the adversity, was the picture of of a perfect teammate. Every time Tua would score a touchdown, Jalen was the first person to run up and hug him. When you know, deep down inside, he hated the fact that he couldn't beat this man in the starting quarterback role, but that was his best mate on the team. He showed ultimate leadership and had his, I don't care that he didn't win the championship, win the uh, national championship or make it to the national championship game with Oklahoma. I don't care. All I care about is that was his moment. That was the icing of the Jalen Hurts legacy. That was the moment for me, the Alabama fan who went and bought a Jalen Hurts Oklahoma jersey. I bought the jersey before he even picked his number. I have a Jalen Hurts 2 jersey for Oklahoma, which doesn't even exist. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to be a good pro. But I will tell you this. Jalen Hurts will go down as an Alabama legend for as long as he lives. Where the legends get to go put their their names in the bricks on the walkway, his name will be one of the most visited. And you think about the names that pass through that program. Oh, yeah. Just because no one was hated more than Jalen Hurts. No one. Everyone in Alabama faithfuls hated him. They didn't hate him. They hated the fact that he was... Stealing to his thunder. Yeah. So for him to win that, it was a stretch. I almost brought that to number one. It was my number one moment. He saved him that day. And how he, he stepped in and and pulled a reverse. Um, because going back to that national championship game where Tua comes into the second half, yep. he, he gets into overtime, and then he has that legendary throw. Oh, my God. I think it was on like second and 26 after a sack. Yep. You know, to win the game, you know, Tua had his legend, but Jalen... Still had the rest of his story to yes. write. My God, those two moments combined. Yeah, from back to back years. As an Alabama fan, or same year. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, that's uh, 
Special times. And, you know, and then, you know, talking about Jalen's season with Oklahoma, he had almost had a Heisman season. Yes. Uh, he ran into a Joe Burrow team in LSU, but he got Oklahoma to the playoffs. Yes. I mean, he proved, you know, what kind of man he is and how he embodies good sportsmanship yes. and how he embodies leadership. And I, I, I hope he finds a place in the NFL. I think he will. And I think that he will surprise a lot of people because after one year with Lincoln Riley, his throwing mechanics were light years better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Lincoln Riley. Whew. He is meant for the NFL. It's yes, only a matter of time. All right, man. Top two. Um, my number two moment we've already talked about. Tiger Woods winning the 2019 Masters. Yes, He's I love number it. two for me. I love it. And, 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 and it's so funny that when I went through and I made my list, I could not have it any lower. It was that special of a moment for me. And and we talked about it in the beginning. It was a great way to kick off our top ten there. Yes. But for me, just as a sports fan in general watching the evolution of that story, and then I felt like that was the storybook ending. I hope it's not completely over. I hope we get to watch a few more, but they won't be as special as that one. No. That moment, that day, and it's like I said, you know, a lot of this with sports is finding something when you need it the most yep. in the game or, you know, or in the moment. And for me, that day, I needed it. And Tiger Woods gave it to me. And it was inspiring, and it yes. was awesome. Yes. And you know, I got to share it with you, and I got to share it with with my roommate, and you know, my best friends. And it was just a special day, man. Yeah, watching him at top form and something I never thought I would see again. And you know, that's why I have it at number two. And you know, I feel like a lot of people, you know, wears you know more Ohio State moments, things like that. But you know, it, it's it, it's the embodiment of sports. It, yes. It's it's all of the sports. You yes. know, I got soccer in here, I got golf in here, I got baseball. You know, it's um. That, that was a really cool, really cool you day. Know, um, you know, I was going to wait and say this, but that was my number one. It was my number one and my number only when I was building this list before I even thought of anything else. Yeah, it was one of the first the, things I put on it. It was the very first thing I put and I put it at number one. Um, and why? Because like you said, everything that that, that happens, the, the feelings, but most important statement I made I think I we said it to each other, is if Tiger Woods never wins another tournament for the rest of his life, I'm good. Yeah, that's I'm I remember happy. that. Yep, same. I feel great. That was because we'll always have that moment. We will have that moment. So with I, him and with the game, I have some other surprises in my top my top two. Well, talk um, to me. So number two, number two. I have to put this in number two. I, I crap. Um, it's. The Chicago Cubs breaking the curse. Oh, yes. But how they did it at the in the World Series, I'm not going to go through the entire season. Also, talk about another freaking stacked team. Oh, my gosh. Holy crap. That's Maybe the greatest infield of all Chris time. Bryant. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Absolutely. Let's not go there, but you, you get it. Oh, yeah. Um, at no point in this World Series should they have won. No. No point. Lost game one. Ended up going down, down 3-1. Yep. They tied up going down in 3-1. And then winning game seven. In Cleveland. In Cleveland. In extras. After a rain delay. Yes. The ups and downs of that game. That, oh, my God. <laughs> That's one of the greatest games in baseball history. And so I the that year, I took Cleveland to win. I took Cleveland to win uh, the World Series. I took Cleveland's win total. I took Cleveland game seven. I think I took run line in that game. Every part of me was rooting against this game. Cubs team but you couldn't be mad at that when a curse is broken 
hundred year curse yep. is broken, is lifted, it had to fall in my top three. And I was I texted some of my baseball buddies in my group chat and I was like, guys, I'm putting I'm putting the, the breakage of the curse in my top ten. Is that weird? Everyone, are you kidding me? No. I go, guys, I'm putting in my top five. Is that weird? <laughs> are you kidding me? No. Guys, it's in my top three. I have thought about this so much. And guys, let me be honest. If I were to rank my top favorite sports, baseball, I don't dislike any sport. So it's going to put that out there. Baseball is just lower than all the others. But for me to put it in my top two really shows how special this moment. It's another picture perfect moment. Sports Illustrated cover. That's my number two. Cubs win it. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, one of the biggest you know, sports storylines of our lifetime, you know, was that Chicago Cubs curse and all of the great teams that they had, you know, from 2000 to 2016 and finally getting it done. Uh, a lot of people forget that Araldis Chapman was on that Cubs team before he went back to New York. Uh, and he actually blew the game at one point. Uh, I think the Indians tied it. I don't think they took the lead on that home run. Uh, Cleveland fans can correct me, but Chapman blowing the game. I'm like, yep. oh my God. They're gonna lose, yeah. you know. If if Chapman can't even break the curse, yep, <laughs> then this thing's over. Yeah, and yeah, it goes into extras. The Cubs find a way to win it. Yeah, just an awesome moment. Uh, and that's another game, folks. That's a game that you can find in HD, so it'll be a little yes. better picture than the other ones. Um, if you're a baseball fan from beginning to end, that's a classic. Okay, before we get into our number one moments, what a list this has been, dude. I think that where our moments are ranked is a testament to how any one of these moments could have been number one. Yeah. You know, like any of these 10, like these 10 stand out to me. I've got honorable mentions, you know, as well, like that to a throw uh, in overtime Dude. and him coming in in the second half. That's easily for me would have been 11 or 12, um, you know, but ranking them was the hardest thing to do. You know, getting them down to 10 was difficult, but ranking them was even more difficult um, for me. Number one is the year, the season, the moment, the game that shaped my entire life. It shaped me as a Buckeye. It shaped my family. It it shaped my future. It was it it showed me what make what makes sports so special, but what makes college football so special. And this was the two thousand and three Fiesta Bowl, Ohio State versus Miami. We talked about USC earlier in the show and how dominant they were. This was pre-USC rising to the yes. top. Because before USC, it was Miami. It was the Miami Hurricanes. It was Ken Dorsey and Willis McGahee um, and um, Andre Johnson. And it, it was um, it was Miami. They were the team. Yep. And Ohio State had no business being in this national championship game. There were so many times throughout the year that we almost lost to mediocre Big Ten teams. But throughout the year, this Ohio State team found a way to win. And it started in the beginning when I remember I was still living in Ohio. This was during this season is when I moved to Orlando from Ohio. Yep. So I kind of lost my Ohio ties. But moving to Florida solidified my you know ties to Ohio and my family and our ties to Ohio State was something that kept, you know, not kept us, but brought us closer together as we moved away from 
our entire family. We we were the first of our family to move away from Ohio. You know, yep. every but both sides of the family, everybody stayed stayed there. No one had made that big of a move. Um, that year, my dad had moved to Florida early, so I was still left behind in Ohio. I actually ended up going to the shoot that year. It was my second game. Um, as a Buckeye fan, and this year the story was Maurice Claret, the true freshman. Ooh. And every sports fan remembers Maurice Claret because yep. it was one of the biggest stories in sports at the time. Because true freshman, Brad, if you remember, they didn't play back during yeah. that time. Yep. It, it, it was it was a rarity to see a true freshman come in and not only play but be as dominant as Maurice Claret. I mean, he he was the reason that we were winning these football games. At one point in the year, he did get injured, and we had to play without him, and it was yep. Craig Krenzel, a quarterback, who who brought us back. But watching them go 11-0, and then, or I believe it was 12-0, because we actually had an extra non-conference game that year. Anyway, not important. We get to the Michigan game. Yeah, It's the biggest game of the year every year. And for us, Michigan was always the team that ended our season. Yeah, You know, in the 90s, we could never beat them. I remember that my family had found this alumni association here in Orlando where we could go and watch Ohio State games with other Buckeye fans, and it was massive. Like on game day, we would walk into a bar and there'd be 350 Buckeye fans to fill a bar, and it was just rowdy and raucous, and it felt like we were back home. That day for Michigan, I remember my my mom and my sister couldn't handle the stress. It was a close game. It was, it was 14 to 9. And Michigan had the ball, and they were going down the field to win the game, and it was just me and my dad, and Ohio State gets the stop, and they get the win, and we're going to the national championship. I'm jumping up and down with my dad. I look up, and he's got tears in his eyes, and I had never seen my dad overcome with emotion like this, but I I remembered the picture looking up at him. And thinking how special of a moment that it was. Yeah. That for him, up to that point, Ohio State hadn't touched a national title since 1970. It was 2002, and then, and then the game was in 03. But that Michigan game is, is is a part of the story because I remember it so vividly. I remember celebrating with him and feeling, wow, like this is the impact that it has. And I really started to feel, I mean, it was, it was over after that. I yeah. was I was a Buckeye through and through. Um, the national championship game. Miami, we were not supposed to win. We were underdogs. I mean, we were we were double-digit underdogs. Yeah. Kirk Herbstreit said before the game, tonight, Ohio State will shock the world, and they will win the national championship. And the reason that he made that call is because Miami had never faced a defense like we had that year. Yep. It wasn't the offense, folks. That Ohio State defense was so dominant. Ken Dorsey was running for his life the yes. entire game. He was shocked. He didn't know what to yep. do. Larry uh, Coker, who was... On the sideline, didn't know what to do. It was kind of a situation where they were so dominant in the Big East. Big East, by the way, not ACC. Miami <laughs> was in the Big East. They had just blown out teams for years. I mean, they were defending national champions. Yep. They beat Nebraska in the national championship game by like 40 in 2000. We challenged them that day that like they had never been challenged before. We take them to overtime. Miami's up by a, a touchdown. It's fourth down. Craig Krenzel throws it to the end zone. Game over. Incomplete. And then a flag comes on the screen. And I remember being in the room with my family because we, we we couldn't find a spot at the club, at the Alumni Association. There were no spots left in the bar. We had to go back home. And we just had to watch it as a family. I was 11 years old. Flag comes on the screen. My heart stops. <laughs> pass interference. Pass interference that was pass interference that to this day 
If you talk to a Miami Hurricanes fan, that's the moment they will come back to. It wasn't pass interference. That was our <laughs> championship. But it wasn't theirs because it was the year of the Buckeye. And it was pass interference. They get everybody back off the field. Ohio State wins the game. They win the national championship. This was my first like real year as being a Buckeye fan, watching every game yep. and remembering it. We talked about the age of 11. But for me, it was, it, after that, it was over. I mean, it, it, it was, that was my life. That, that's what, that, that was my family. And that, that's what kept us connected to Ohio. And man, there's no moment tops that for me. You know, the, the pass interference, I love going back to, uh, I love going back to that game. At, at, at one point in that game, Ken Dorsey threw an interception or no, I'm sorry. Uh, Craig Krenzel threw an interception in the end zone. Miami starts to run it back, and Maurice Claret runs over and just rips the ball away yep. from the defender to get the ball back. I mean, we had moments like that. And there were also, like, Ken Dorsey throwing interceptions wasn't a thing. <laughs> that, that was not a thing. It, it, it didn't happen. We were such underdogs in that game that winning it was just, just set off this chain of events, you know, for Ohio State and for that Jim Trussell era that... If it wasn't for the SEC, we could have had three. <laughs> um, and that was pre-SEC. But that season was special uh, as, as as a Buckeye and as a college football fan. And man, I just... Something that I'll, re- that I'll relive and remember for forever. Uh, but that's number one. Uh, nothing stands out to me like that. So that's it. I am now done. That is my list. Great list. Let's move on to you. Number one. Let's hear it. Oh, man. So, rightfully so. My life uh, pretty much revolves around sports, but mainly revolves around golf. Um, I work in golf. Yeah. I bet golf. I write about golf. I love golf. Golf is my favorite sport. So rightfully so, I had to start my list with my main golf influence and end my list, my main golf influence. For me, growing up, I was good at sports. I loved sports uh as a little kid i got into the uh, golf at the age of six um age of six was 2016 um golf channel just started up there's this guy coming on the scene uh 1996 then yeah what i say 2016 my god this i'm it's okay go on 1996 1996 golf channel just started up this guy coming on the scene, Tiger Woods. He's been good for since about 2001, but like really coming on the scene, 1996. My parents came into my room. Brad, do you want to give golf a shot? Now, at this point in my life, I'm six years old. I am competing at a national level in, in combat sports. I'm doing Taekwondo right now um, and doing freestyle tournaments. Totally different. Golf combat sports opposites fields so now i've grown up growing up growing up now i am uh 10 years old nine years old i'm nine years old been in golf for three years now um i had a chance to watch tiger woods at multiple tournaments um had a chance to go and be a junior caddy at the age of nine to be a junior caddy you don't do anything junior caddy you just walk with the with the tour player this moment is probably one of my favorite moments in my entire life, but I will set the stage right. 2000, 
comes around. Oh, wait, 1997 comes around. Tiger Woods is a freaking beast. 1997 Masters. He wins the Masters by 12 strokes. Three rounds in the 60s. Two rounds, one of 66, one of 65. He won by 12 strokes. The next year, wins the PGA Championship. That was a good battle between him and Sergio Garcia. Now we're really like, Tiger's winning tournaments, but now he's winning majors. Like, he is getting scary. 2,000 rolls around. Uh, Tiger Woods wins the U.S. Open by 15 strokes. Wins it by 15 strokes and has won round in the 70s, 65, 69, 71, 67. He knocks off Ernie Els and Miguel Jimenez. He wins the Open by eight strokes. Every round in the 60s. People are starting to think like, this is when Supreme Tiger Mania rolls around. I get invited to Tiger Camp. This is the middle of Tiger Mania. Only the, and it's not the best because I don't. I don't think it's the best. It's, I don't know how I got invited. Luck. Only a select few get people get to invite to Tiger Camp. Now I've I've walked the course with Tiger Woods as a junior caddy. Now I'm in a group of twenty kids getting in personal instruction from Tiger Woods. I go to Magic Kingdom. Now this is the middle. Of Tiger Mania. I go to Magic Kingdom with Tiger Woods. Another 20 people. We, they closed it down. I'm mean, not Magic Kingdom. Animal Kingdom. Later that year. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods wins the PGA Championship. In a playoff. Versus Bob May. So now we have. We finished the rest of the golf season. Um, no more majors to play. Tiger now has. Three. You guys hear it? Three congruent major championships. Tiger Woods, one of the few people who created the career Grand Slam. He, with that um, open, uh, the open championship, he created the career Grand Slam. That feat alone is almost impossible. Look at Phil. Phil's still trying to do it. And Phil's a Hall of Fame golfer. The Tiger Slam. Not yet. We're almost there. <laughs> this moment this single moment is my most memorable moment my forever etched in my brain where i feel like i want to be better as a person not even as an athlete not even at my job the 2001 masters um i have to look at my notes cuz i can't remember who was uh, oh he, he he comes into uh the final round with a one-stroke lead. In this Masters tournament, he started off, didn't have the lead after day one, shot a 70. The next day, 66. So, on moving day, what is he going to do? He's just kind of like, oh, good round of 68, but nothing too crazy. He gets to 18. He needs to two-putt to secure his lead at the Masters. He has an 18-foot putt. The putt is good the second it leaves the club face. It 
was the best putt. And for you guys who don't know, Augusta, they say when you are standing on the greens at Augusta, you feel like you're going to fall over because the undulation is so intense. He makes the putt, completes the Tiger Slam, which is so affectionately called, which will never, you guys are listening, you guys can mark this on my headstone, will never, ever happen again. He congruently holds all four major titles. I think the closest feat to that was Brooks Kepka's double-double. Yeah, close. For me, had to be number one. I had the Masters victory at number one. I flopped them. I flip-flopped them because this will never happen. When I give tours at the Golf Channel, so we have a wall at the Golf Channel of greatest moments in golf history. I go through and skim a couple. I just pick out something at random. There's one that I tell every single time. Tiger Woods completing the Grand Slam, making the 18-foot putt on 18 to beat out David Duvall by two strokes to complete a feat that will never happen in my lifetime, probably will never happen ever again. It sent me on a journey in my life that I'm forever grateful for. I when I when So I'm going back to my early statement when I said I don't know if it was one of the best why I got invited to that Tiger camp because I was not that good. I was okay. But that fueled me to be really good at golf. I wanted to practice every day. I wanted to play like Tiger. I wanted to dress like Tiger. I wanted to speak like Tiger. I wanted to be Tiger. All because 2000, um, 2000 to 2001, I had my the life-changing events of meeting Tiger Woods, getting to ask Tiger Woods. I asked Tiger, funny story, at that camp, I asked Tiger Woods a question. He gave me the most douchebag response. That, like thinking back to it now, but that didn't change anything. And then him completing the Grand Slam for me was the icing on the cake for this this list. The career Grand Slam. The Tiger Slam. It makes me proud to be a Tiger fan because he started my journey and he ended my ten, my top 10 journey with number 10. It, 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 I'm glad you had that on your list. The yeah. only moment that we had on our list that was the same. That was the same. Was the moment we spent together and we shared and watched greatness How about that? unravel. And I will leave my top 10 at that where I'm more than happy. Like you said, people were wondering why didn't you have enough Ohio State, more Ohio State. I didn't have that much Alabama Sure. Stuff, but I had a lot of Tiger because it is my roots in sports. It's the second sport I ever played. It's the sport I live every day, so... It's cool that there was there were such great stories behind our number one moments because I think if you really think about it, if 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 you sit down and you create your moments and then you start ranking them when it comes to sports, yep. I think everybody's number one is going to have a story of how it shaped them yes. and, and how it how it moved them and how how they are who they are today because of it. Yep, and that's why it's not just a game. Yeah. And I don't care what sport. I don't care what game you're talking about. It's not. No. It's not just a game. No, not even close. You know, it's... And I've heard that thrown around a couple times, and I don't argue it. I just don't even talk about it, because if you say that, then you don't get it. Yeah, you don't get it. You don't... These moments change our lives. They give us inspiration. They make us... They validate our emotions. We feel the way we feel because of these moments. We watch sports because of these moments. Yeah. We go to sporting events because of these moments. We hug our friends because, because of, these, of moments. these moments. Miles, through our journey in the podcast, 
one thing is is evident in our lives in the podcast is we've gotten so close. We've gotten so close to the bond of sports. The, the, the bond that sports gives us is such an unbreakable bond because we live these moments together. We don't even need to be in the same state. And we are living moments together. That's what is the beauty of sports. You could be halfway across the world and share a moment with someone that neither of you will forever will, will ever forget, will forever be in your hearts, in your minds. That's what makes this top 10 list so great. It's worldwide. It's it's all inclusive. Yeah. Worldwide. It's something that we both grew up with. It's, yeah. it's why we share that passion here. Um, and and I, I think this was a very fitting way to celebrate 100 episodes yes. together. And here's to 100 more. And um, if you made it this far in the podcast, then you are who we are targeting. Yes, you, you are. Uh, you are who we do this for. And we hope that we can turn this thing into something special. Yes. And the newcomers. I've had so many newcomers hit me up about the podcast. Thank you, too. Yeah. Thank everyone who listens to the podcast, guys. I'm excited for the next 100 episodes that we do when our 200 episode comes around. Maybe we might do something special for 150th, 150th episode. Maybe I'll get my numbers right the next time. <laughs> but guys. Where can they find us? Man, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Be sure to download the podcast. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Be sure to rank, rate, comment, like, subscribe. Every like, everything Every engagement you guys do with the podcast helps us out more. We look forward to this journey with you guys, and thank you for listening to What's the Spread podcast.